Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is The Zwiftcast coming up on this episode. Zwift CEO Eric Min talks to The Zwiftcast and outlines the post-pandemic direction for the company. Rowing is pulled for now. Prices aren't moving for now. And the new buzzword is easy. The three of us are all over the latest from Eric like a cheap suit. Stay tuned for our analysis. Plus, after the elastic snapped on our Pacerbot pals, breaking news, it looks like Coco Dan and the gang are back. Well, it's been a little while, but I shall explain why shortly. Happily, both my fellows with casters are in position. They're cautious souls who would never raise their arms in celebration until they were certain they'd crossed the line first. Shane, g'day, mate. I'm sure you've never done a Lulu, as it shall now be known. Uh, you testers, you calculate your efforts so minutely. I doubt you'd even have the energy left to raise even a smile as you cross the line. Yeah, that was a little awkward to see, wasn't it? No, thankfully, <laughs> uh, if I was ever contesting a win that close, I usually had my nose pointed to the ground and my saddle somewhere up around my chest, throwing the bike forward. <laughs> Definitely not throwing my arms up in the air unless I really knew I had the win. But uh, look, I would have loved to see someone create a meme saying that Lulu was just, he just rode the whole race with his arms up in the air, celebrating his world's win. And it was great to see him come second with his arms up. Uh, <laughs> cycling yeah. always throws us something weird. I mean, it was a silly thing to do. It's always a silly thing to do. And, I, you know, I can't believe that any cyclist would would still do it. You know, the smart ones always just look over the shoulder. Uh, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of love for Lulu, so I think he kind of got away with it. And Nathan Gary, yo, dude, let's just get this out of the way right at the top now, shall we? Even though it's such old news now, but you did call the winner of the tour on the last Swiftcast. You may bask briefly in your genius before giving us your tip for the Giro, so we can all go out and put a pound on your prescience with our local bookmaker. Well, first of all, how we like it's it's not like this was you know, at the final week of the tour, we asked this question like two or three <laughs> days in. I mean, yeah, no, it's true. Paji, Paji wasn't even like on anybody's radar. So I don't know. <laughs> That's <laughs> enough basking. That's enough basking. <laughs> who's who's going to win the Giro? I have no idea. I, to be honest, the, uh, all I, all I know about is the Swift racing league nowadays, to be totally honest <laughs> with you. I am, uh, it's kind of nonstop over here. So, yeah, well, um, we will we'll get to that later in the app. Um, I don't think it's going to be Grant Thomas, that's for sure. Uh, anyway, let's get on with stuff because we have stuff to get on with. Uh, whilst the search parties were out combing Watopia for Coco Cadence and Diesel Dan, I was busy trying to nail down with CEO Eric Min for an interview. After a little back and forth and a tiny bit of shilly and a little shally, we actually got it set up, but it's a couple of weeks, hence the slightly late arrival of episode 90. Now, uh, I should make clear, this is not the annual interview where I try to cover a million topics with Eric. It's more of a mini interview. See what I did there? On matters arising, arising from the Series C funding round, which, as we now know, raised $450 million and was a huge landmark moment in the history of the company. So it was a good time to talk to Eric and a good time to kind of focus discussion around what this flood of money 
may mean for subscribers. And in particular, as you'll hear, I wanted to talk to him about the, the difference between what how new subscribers and existing subscribers might might end up being treated. Anyway, here we go. I'm going to split the interview into two parts. And we will, as we like to do, pass what Eric said afterwards. So here's part one. Well, welcome to the Zwiftcast to Eric Min. Hello, Eric. Hi, Simon. Good to hear your voice again. Well, listen, welcome and hello and thanks for doing this. Um, we're here really to talk about the latest funding round for Zwift and what changes subscribers can expect to see as a result of that as, as we head into a new indoor season, early October. Indoor season's about to kick off for real. But before we do any of that, Eric, it, it would be wrong of me not to congratulate you. Uh, Zwift, whether or not you think the label has any value, is now a tech unicorn. That's a company with a billion dollar valuation. Don't be modest, Eric. That is some achievement. Um, yeah, no, it is. It's a it's a bigger accomplishment for for our team. Um, but you know, when you go out and raise uh, money or capital from from investors, um, it's like taking out a huge mortgage, right? You do have to pay it back. Um, so uh, the 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 amount of capital that you you raise have to match your ambitions. And so um, yeah, we have big ambitions. We have a lot of work to do. We have, um, you know, this is this is a journey that we set out six years ago. Uh, we still feel like this is still very early in in terms of um, what our business might mean for the category and the at home fitness um, category that I think is is really developing. Raising money is never incredibly easy, to, you know, even when you've got a fantastic proposition. But I understand that. There were people knocking on your door rather than the other way around for this funding round. Is, is that broadly right? No, that's true. Um, we had a number of investors chasing us. And I think a lot of it has to do with many of the investors actually using the product and and understanding what we're trying to build. That's, um, you know, that's always been the, the thing for, for me. I, I've never taken money from an investor who's not actually a, a customer of our, of our service. Okay. Well, look, we are going to pitch into some specifics about what this new investment round means specifically to subscribers, because that, that was how we set the basis of this interview up. But before we do that, I, I would just like to get some wider context. We met last February, five weeks later, the world shut down and everything changed. What, what has changed at Zwift as a company and how has that changed the plans you had in February for what subscribers could have expected and received in 2020, well, at least up to date? No one expected the pandemic to hit. Um, usually, you know, come April, this is when we start to take a little breather and start planning for, for the next season. We need that block of time to do that. But with the pandemic, we were seeing hundreds of thousands of people coming to uh, to the platform and joining in numbers that we've never seen before. It was just, uh, it, you know, the, the traffic was insane. Um, and so that caused um, us to change our plans. And we had to go in, you know, sort of reactive mode. And the priority was to make sure that this, the, the, the platform remained stable, and it did, which was, um, you know, says a lot about the investment that we made over the, the, the previous uh, couple of years. Um, it was really about making sure that the, the new customers who 
uh, who are trying Zwift for the first time were having the, the best experience. So support went through the roof. Um, it, it, you know, there were all sorts of activity happening on the platform, and so of course that would that had an impact on some of the the plans that we had around the the product features and UI uh, release being you know one of the the ones that we had you know I think publicly committed and communicated. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot has changed and. That also, uh, you know, affected our our thinking around um, recruiting and um, and the kind of plans that we need to put in place to to um, to support business that we think was going to uh, grow, uh, you know, well past COVID. And so uh, this is when we thought this is probably a good time for us to to raise capital. We we're planning to raise capital the following year, but we decided that given the current climate, the attention that we were getting as a business, along other internet businesses that were you know, benefiting from this kind of the, the backdrop of, of COVID, um, we decided to go and, and raise capital that would sort of secure our future uh, for, for years to come. So to, to summarize, Eric, what, what COVID meant for you really was was number one, dealing with with with, with floods of new subscribers in, in, in numbers the like of which you'd never seen before. And you also felt that that, uh, that, that, that this time was a good time to strike while the iron was hot and capitalize on the interest in home-based digital services. And, and the result of that, I guess, was that existing subscribers may have felt they were slightly at the back of the line. Is, it, is, it, is, it, is that fair? I think that's a fair um, comment. Uh, there were features that we decided not to release because we felt that that would, that would be risky. Um, and this is a UI project in particular. Uh, so we were actually pretty close to releasing that. And the plan was to release, release it in the spring after the rush of the winter. But then the, when the second rush hit, we decided to just pull back on it and, and shelve it. And, um, you know, not, we, we got out of that craze over the, the following, you know, two or three months. And we went to revisit the, the project and we, um, we thought we could do it better. And um, we decided um, a, a slightly different strategy around the, the UI. And I think we, go, we went back to, you know, why, why did we build all the, the new features around the UI and it's really to make it easier for for the customer to to you know discover features and and functions and content and that's still our core focus it, you just don't need a, a, a brand new user interface for that so we're looking at very specific things that we think will solve problems for you know for for 100 of of, of um, our customers not just new customers but even for existing customers so that's still the focus um and one thing that we are you know incredibly focused on and and, and the big theme of of this capital raise is about making swift easier and more accessible to people and and that is the platform the software the game experience the content and the hardware that needs to go with it. All that that end-to-end -end experience has to be much easier for us to, um, you know, uh, attract so that broader audience who, are, you know, who can't be fussed with all of the different pieces you might need to pull together today to, to get out with. I think. Look, I think the the first early uh, adopters love that stuff. Uh, the customers that we're seeing today, I would say, you know almost half of them are recreational cyclists. 
and they just can't be bothered. They want everything spoon fed to them. And so the big thing for us is just let's make everything much easier for everyday Swifters, but also the the you know the tens of thousands, the hundreds of thousands of customers who are who are coming to to Zwift. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's incredibly useful context, I think, and I think it will help people to understand why certain things have happened and certain things may not have happened in the, in the year to date. Let Let's get very specific on 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 this capital raise. Um, I'm sure Zwifters, existing subscribers, I speak for here, I think, will welcome the pledge to accelerate product feature development. I mean, you noted that yourself in the press release. What what specifically is going to change to make that happen, Eric? And, and realistically, when will users start to see these benefits? In order for us to um, scale the, the product feature set that we want to build, it, it, we need to think of things in terms of systems. We need to think of uh, features in terms of tools. So we need to give toolkit to our community. And Clubs is the perfect example of that. Um, so the club functionality is, a, is just a, is a way for us to group uh, smaller communities or tribes, allowing them to create content. What I mean by that is, you know, designing workouts, um, make them private or public, um, you know, and, and just giving that kind of control to the community. And so that is actively you know, happening. We are working with about 80, um, uh, about, I think, 80 uh, event promoters. Uh, it is, you know, we're not going to solve the entire problem or the solution around clubs in the first iteration, but we'll have, uh, you know, multiple iterations to get to a point where um, the community will will really start taking um, control over how, how their events get administered. So that's just one example of how we need to think about feature sets, feature sets that really help us to unlock the, um, the, the, the things that I think the community are, are, are asking for, which is just a little bit more control over how they you know, use Zwift as more as a platform than just simply as a you know, as, as Mm-hmm. So in, in terms of thinking of development of features, is it unrealistic for Swifters to expect, you know, little gifts and little pleasures in every update when the CEO is saying, actually, we need to think about big overarching systems before we release little crowd-pleasing features? Again, is is that fair or is that a mischaracterization? No, I think I think our job is to make sure that we balance those things. Um uh, but we are focused on some of the bigger systems uh, that I think the the majority of our customers would benefit from. So that's how we think of how we prioritize uh, features. Hmm. Because we, systems, we systems to, development inevi- inevitably will take longer. It will take longer, but everything else is a short-term, uh, you know, uplift and and at the expense of some of the bigger projects that we want, we want to. But I think we'll always have a, um, it will always have a balance. I think the more, the more recent feature set, I think, which has, you know, from our data is super positive is around the, the pacer bots. And that is just a future works feature. Um, and um, the, the feedback has been incredibly positive. And I think that is something that is not a system today, but we can turn that into a system mm. and it can go in so many different directions because those pacer bots today are not intelligent, but they could be in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
So again, again, to summarise, you know, we will get these little crowd pleasers, but in the background, there's a serious amount of heavy lifting to be done to design systems that put the platform in a fit state for the next five, eight, ten years. Is that again? Is that is that a fair description? That that is a fair comment, um, and. Um, uh, so, yeah, we have a number of different systems that we have in mind that we want to build. I mean, categorization is is another one. That's a system. That is not a, you know, that is not a small feature set. Uh, but that categorization system benefits the entire audience. Right? Um, yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, anti-sandbagging is a feature that we've had actually since April. We've been testing it in, in limited events. We know it works. And we want to roll that out as part of Clubbed. Um, but that is still a short-term solution to a much larger, more sophisticated categorization system. Okay. I, I, I get that. I understand the thinking. And I think the, the more uh, smart Swifters will, will understand that kind of thinking. Um, just, just related to this, Eric, and we are really here talking about what change is going to happen as a result of the, the investment, the new investment. How significant is the appointment to the board of Ikla Panan, who has obviously got an impeccable gaming background? He's, uh, his company's put money in and he's got a seat on the board. What, what, again, what difference will that make? Having someone like Ilka on, on our board giving us advice um, is just, you know, is, is incredible for, for, for Zwift. I mean, his wealth of, of knowledge and experience in scaling, you know, games and, you know, in his case, making games that are very addictive. Um, we like that. In the context of fitness, we think it's incredibly powerful. So um, he also has a philosophy around, around um, you know, allowing smaller teams to be really creative and, um, and empowering our developers to, to come up with, you know, really creative solutions for, for the game that, you know, they believe in. Um, these are some of the, some of the things that we want to learn uh, from him. And he's just, you know, he's just a fan of sports and gaming. And Zwift just represents, um, like the perfect marriage between those two, two, uh, passions. So, uh, you know, to have someone like that on the board giving us advice, a steer on strategic decisions around, you know, how we develop our product, I think is, um, you know, enormously beneficial for, for Swift and, and the community. Having someone like him buying into and believing in our business gives us a lot of credibility when we, we go out and look for, for uh, talent. Um, so that's another important aspect. And then th- that is another theme, theme of, uh, um, you know, the, the Series C that we did is uh, is to give talent, you know, confidence in the business that we're building. And guess what? That helps to attract more talent. Let's go through what I think are three main points that uh, it may be instructive for us to talk about. Firstly, I think this had already begun to happen, actually, but the pandemic accelerated, as it has done in so many areas of life, something that was already happening. And that is that Zwift is now going to be very, very highly focused on simplifying the product to make it easier for new users. I almost lost count, Shane, of the times that Eric used the word easy or easier. Uh, now, to be fair, you've been saying this for a while. Peloton is easy. Zwift can be difficult. 
Mm, Zwift and ain't easy. It's also one of the reasons why I do a ton of content around Zwift because people are looking for help. They're looking for information. They're looking to figure out how things work. But look, it's not just Zwift either. It's about everything with indoor cycling. It's really not that easy. You've got a bike, a smart trainer, a power meter, a computer, and they're all from different companies. So indoor training companies also have to support all of that and trying to upskill someone who's just new to cycling and who wants to get on Zwift and learn about the new current technology. It's hard to do. The thing about Peloton, though, is they own that entire user experience, and that's clearly where Zwift need to be. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I know they've, they've known this for a while, but I think the thing that probably really hammered it home was this, like, massive flood of new subscribers. And as Eric said there, uh, support, what he didn't say support was overwhelmed, but he said, you know, I can't remember the exact words he used, but so calls to support were many. Yeah, it all comes down to, again, it's about how easy the system is to get up and running. I mean, if you take a, a fresh, a, a, what a Greenfields customer who walks into a bike store and says, I want to get on Zwift. I've seen it on television. I want all of that. And I think we all can admit it's all too hard. So I'm keen to see what they got up their sleeve. And uh, there's a few things we'll be talking about in this episode, which I think might get us a little step closer to that. Uh, let's move on to the next topic. Um, in, in very broad terms, product development is now going to be seen in terms of systems rather than individual features. Eric was very clear on that. He cited club functionality and the now abandoned but due to be rethought new UI and categorization of races as good examples of a system rather than just like a little, a little new feature. Um, Shane, whilst this patient building of an ecosystem that's going to last for years and probably serve the company and subscri subscribers very well eventually, I must confess my heart kind of hit my boots a bit when I heard this. Um, systems take ages. Yeah. Uh, the definition, I guess we need a little bit more information about what they're talking about. Look, I'm going to go with that means a modular development and deployment process. And then jumping ahead on that, is the underlying architecture is we've able to support this. We've seen features such as the fence that come, has come and gone and come back. And then pacer bots, they come and went and they returned again and then broken route badges. And the list goes on. It's quite long. But stepping back from that, I think that's all about how they manage the development and deployment process. And based on the previous interviews, it's clear to see this is a sticking point for them. There's a lot of delays there. Um, I won't rattle off my list of things we're waiting for that have been spoken about, but hopefully compartmentalizing all of this um, or, yeah, Putting them in little buckets and deploying them won't impact other things. We've seen, well, the route badge breaking. You know, something else rolled out and that broke route badges. Something else rolled out and broke something else. Something else rolled out and broke the fence. Hopefully, if they can contain these things, um, yeah, we can get people working on certain things. And uh, it's a good experience. But it all comes back to the architecture of the original design. Nathan, as a, a gaming veteran, do you recognise this kind of – I mean, you know, it means nothing to me. But, but do you recognise this differentiation between – a system and a feature yeah i think uh a feature a lot of times is like um a little add-on that uh I, i'm trying to think of like you know a new feature could be a new skin a way of uh interacting with um a weapon in game, a way of interacting with a specific item in game, a new bike that we just recently saw as with Insider do a thing about. I mean, that's a feature, right? That's a, uh, or even um, a new workout mode might be a feature, whereas an entirely new workout system, you know, and how, how we do workouts in general, how we interact with workouts in general completely and how we even get to them and how they are downloaded or uploaded vice versa, you know, that's a whole new system, right? So like, 
I think that when we talk about game modes, maybe, you know, and how we interact with the whole mode and how it's built from the ground up might be more of where we're heading in that respect. You know, like a whole new system, if I compared it, would be, you know, I'm used to playing Apex as a 3v3 situation or three three-man team situation. We drop in and now all of a sudden it's like, we don't drop into a whole map. We drop into just like a smaller space where we respawn over and over again and you don't just die and you're out. Like that's a whole new system, right? Like, so um, I wonder what they're thinking about there though when it comes to cycling and Zwifting and, and uh, you know, th- that that's really intriguing because new systems do mean uh, new ways of interacting with a game a lot of times that can be more intriguing and have more strategy or more... Uh, things to play, you know, things to play, you know? So I, I, that's really encouraging to hear actually. I, I really like it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the story behind the, the, the now abandoned UI. And it's probably a good time to say what I know about this now, um, because, uh, well, it's history now. I mean, you know, the UI that we were going to get, uh, we're now not getting. So I, I think I can probably spill some beans and, and it's a really interesting phenomenon this how this whole new ui thing came along because it was never ever ever anything than a a new or certainly the first iteration a new ui for apple tv users and a lot of it was to get around the appalling hideousness of the uh, the Apple TV remotes, which anybody who's ever used it instantly hates. And, and I actually saw the new UI because uh, we had an interview ready to go uh, when when the new UI was to be launched. And when I, I saw it, I thought, that is really going to uh, disappoint very, very large sections of the of the community because, because of expectations. And those expectations had kind of been allowed to arise and develop in <laughs> in the absence of of of, 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 of information really and, and that's how expectations you know they just roll down the hill like a snowball gathering pace and if nobody's putting out accurate information to prevent the snowball getting any bigger it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then when it arrives everyone says well that's not the snowball that i was expecting so I think pulling the, 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 the UI is actually the, the right call. And whether it's bound up with this whole idea of now developing in systems is, is something we're going to have to wait and see. Anyway, okay, well, that's, that's what I know about the new UI. Uh, what, what's the new UI? Now, um, finally, and I'll, I'll stick with you, uh, Nathan, for the time being on this, a very significant new investor and advisor is Ikla Palen, the guy who heads up a games company called Supercell. Their biggest game was Clash of the Clans. He's obviously an extremely successful guy, a proper big noise in gaming. He'll bring two things, said Eric. Uh, First is strategic advice, and secondly, the ability to attract top games talent to Swift. Nathan, that second point is really interesting, isn't it? A lot of this is about building the credibility of Swift as a games company, which will allow them to attract talent. We're talking about the area of gaming that's absolutely blowing up the most in the world right now, which is in the mobile space and that's where Panon's coming from and having a little bit of muscle to be like, Hey, uh, what are you guys doing over here? Like what, what, what about this, this, and this, and having some top down like strategy in that space to help and, and push along development, I think is a, a really, really good thing because 
My take is a lot of this has been focused for the longest time on serving the core, which is the people who were looking at a, at a wall and needed something else to look at. We're, we're getting beyond that to the user who needs to have ease and fun, right? Ease and fun. And, and uh, you know, it's super exciting for me to see that. Um, and then on top of that, uh, being taken more seriously in a space to get more talent. You have one of the most successful, uh, you know, obviously in the, in the gaming space right now, a very fast growing, uh, jumping in. And, and I think that that's going to have, uh, like Eric kept on saying, attracting more talent. Well, it was interesting. It was interesting that the word that Eric used in, in that, in that first part of the interview about Eklos skills were he, I think, I think the phrase he said was he knows how addictive games can be. Uh, now, addictive in, in, in a gaming context is sometimes seen as negative and certainly in a kind of social media or screen attraction um, context, addictive is seen as a bad thing. Of course, uh, having an addiction to something that makes you fitter is, uh, and more active is, is not a bad thing. It's, it's the direct opposite. So, yeah, really interesting. Okay, we'll have more from Eric in part two of the chat. We talk about rowing and why it has for now been pulled. We talk about pricing. We talk about Swiss hardware division, as I mentioned, and we talk about copycats. But now let's talk about what will be the first iteration of what will eventually morph into a system, one of those systems, and that is the Zwift Racing League. For all the minutiae of how this team-based league produced in association with WRTL will actually work, I would direct you towards Zwift Insider, which does all that detailed stuff really, really well. But I wanted a more general overview, so I whistled up Zwift's Jacob Fraser, who's been a big part of the team developing the league. Well, welcome to the Zwiftcast to Jacob Fraser from Zwift. Jacob, let's make one thing happen. Let's make your mum happy, uh, which I know we always do when you get on the Zwiftcast by telling us your title. Well, my title is still uh, Senior Brand Experience Manager. We haven't uh, made the change, but I work on the esports the esports side of things now. So uh, let's let's call it Assistant Esports Race Guy. I just made that up now. My boss <laughs> uh, no, I like that. Well, at least it says what it is. Uh, I mean, your role has changed somewhat since uh, since the world went crazy, obviously, because you used to be the man who acquired, I reckon, easily the most frequent flyer points in Zwift because you went all over the place doing all kinds of things at Zwift in live events. But now you switch to to kind of masterminding. I'll use that word. It'll make your mom happy. The, um, the new Zwift Racing League. So, Jacob, I don't know whether still people do have elevator pitches, but yeah. I want the elevator pitch, mate. What is the Zwift Racing League? You've got under a minute. The Zwift Racing League is designed to bring the racing community together, answer kind of a longstanding question within that racing community of a multi-week season that any team can participate in at every level, uh, in any time zone, any region around the world to race against other teams into a, a league structure. So that's what we've tried to get out the door in this season one. And hopefully we can continue to iterate over multiple seasons throughout the calendar year. But on its surface, it's a league that anybody can participate in at any level in any region around the world to have fun, friendly racing every week. And endorsed uh, by Zwift, but indeed organized by WRTL. I think you've kind of partnered with them because they've been really successful with their 
team time trial series and these guys seem to know what they're doing when it comes to organization not that i'm saying you don't jacob but <laughs> but i mean this partnership obviously is going to be beneficial for getting something going pretty quick yeah the wtl partnership is pretty critical uh in this first season and in seasons to come like you said they're an expert in the community their team time trial format and, and race series have been fantastic we participate in it you know, as, as staff members of Zwift every week as well, we have a couple of teams and some friendly competition within our, our company. Um, and they have a great organization put together over there. So it made a ton of sense to get them involved at the very beginning, take some of their expertise within the community uh, and also their organizational skill. Like you said, they're extremely well organized. They're, they're a well-oiled machine with a ton of knowledge. Um, and as we brought Zwift power within the, the Zwift ecosystem, there's you know, let's call it some hiccups in the road. I'm sure yeah, yeah. people on the internet might disagree with with that word. No. But um, <laughs> as Zwift Power gets gets spun up on our own servers and things like that, um, we want to incorporate more of this into the game itself. But as we all know, that just takes time on the development side, and we wanted to get something together sooner to to answer the needs of the community. And so uh, the partnership with WTRL is pretty important just to get it out the door in this first season, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to get to this in a minute about, uh, uh, you know, racist personalities and, and how uh, challenging it can be to meet their many needs. But, but I mean, you know, running something like this, uh, particularly now it's got the big Z orange stamp of approval, even if WRTL are doing like a lot of the kind of donkey work behind the scenes, that, that obviously brings with it a certain responsibility. How do you see the kind of balance between HQ and WRTL working? Yeah, I'm going to call you out there. It's WTRL, not WRTL. Oh, you know, I always get it. Yeah, it's yeah. Acronym. We, we, know, we, know, <laughs> we know what we're talking about. Yeah, you hit it kind of right on the head. It is extremely labor intensive. Obviously, creating something new is always a challenge, just getting you know all of the ideas together and, and trying to answer the community as best we can with what we feel is first of all uh, a successful league of successful season one but also kind of a fully baked one obviously there's always going to be room for iteration and growth and, and future seasons and that's the idea here uh, and then the second aspect is making sure it works right we don't want to put together a season as great as it may be on the label that doesn't work and that's where wtrl really comes in you know their organization and, and their machine kind of on the team time trial side has proven its efficiency and its stability so it, it is a true partnership in the way I see it. We've worked together on pretty much every aspect of the league from what the point structure is going to be, the course selection, the time zones, the race times, really everything has been a true partnership. And the guys over at WTRL are absolutely fantastic. Jacob, again, just this kind of orange seal of approval and probably, you know, you bring much greater marketing weight than than the good guys at WTRL could ever hope to have done. Do you think that those two factors are basically going to increase racer participation? And I th I'm, I'm talking about from the bottom up here, from people who may never have thought of racing before. Do you expect to see a big flood of those come in? It's a super interesting question, Simon, for sure. The, the short answer is yes, but I think it's worth uh, exploring that racer participation or, or the name racer as it stands, right? We identify this massive group of Zwifters as what we call internally competitive Zwifters. I myself fall into that category. If I'm riding up the hilly KOM in Watopia, for example, 
and somebody comes up next to me, I'm going to go a little bit harder than I planned to, to make sure that person doesn't beat me, right? That makes me a competitive Zwifter. Now to turn into a racer in the current format, I have to jump all of the hurdles and navigate, you know, how many different websites to get involved in Zwift racing. What we're trying to do with the Zwift Racing League is smooth that journey out. So season one is certainly going to focus on just kind of coalescing the already existing racing community, bringing them together, giving them team formats, giving them a league format that will have iterative seasons in the future. Like you said, the big, you know, orange stamp of approval, if you will, but let's not ignore or undercut the, the following that people like WTRL have and things like that. In future seasons, I think what we'll see is a, a exponential growth of people coming to the platform to start racing. But in this first season, our focus is just to bring the whole racing community together. Um, let's just move on to some of the slightly tricky areas around racing. I mean, you know, let's face it, racers are difficult dogs to keep on the porch. They're demanding, competitive, type A folk. They complain about cheating. They complain about failure to enforce race categorization. I mean... Can you begin to address those two things with, with Swift Racing League? Again, the short answer is yes. It's definitely a more complicated answer than that. And I, I think it's worth saying, right, the community has high expectations for the product across the board. And us as employees are no exception to that rule. Uh, I wish we could show the community some of the internal Slack conversations that happen. You know, I, I race in the, the Eldo Crit Series here in Southern California, for example, and I finally, finally, finally had a chance at winning the D category as a you know back of the pack racer. There was a group of maybe 50 of us. And of course, I get pipped on the line by what I would classify as a C category racer. So immediately I took to Slack and, and was all over the game engineers and, and everybody who has anything to do with racing. I was just furious in the moment that I lost a race. You know, and everybody says, well, okay, go on Zwift Power. They're categorized different and all that. But we all know that feeling of, of it seeming unfair. And, and let's all remember, this is a very fun game that we all like to play indoors. Um, the community expectations, though, are shared by our staff across the board. We all want more of everything. It's just a bandwidth problem. You know, we, we have to do that work and that takes time and, and takes people. So again, knowing that the racers have high expectations is good. It gives us something to strive for. And I just ask that, you know, they give us a chance to go on that journey. It, it is a totally new product for us from a racing league perspective. WTRL is bringing a ton, a ton of expertise to the table. It will be better than anything we've done before. Will it be perfect? Certainly not. You know, and we're going to iterate again season to season. This isn't going to be one 10-week season for the community and then it'll disappear. We're, we're committing to this and it will exist for the foreseeable future. Um, and we want to continue to to work on those things like cheating, like sandbagging, all of those things are will come in time. Certainly, it's something we're actively working on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting one actually, Jika, because if this is a, a, a kind of roaring success, it, it's obviously actually going to turn the volume up on those kind of grit in the oyster issues. And uh, maybe, I mean, I'm not I'm not suggesting that the development guys and the game team are not listening, but. You know, maybe when they've got a loud hailer in their ear, they'll listen a bit harder. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing to say. I mean, think of it from the company's perspective, right? And I, I certainly am part of that company. But looking at how our current user base identifies as racers, racers are still by far and away a minority 
of the platform, mm. right? Even WTRL gets fabulous numbers on their Thursday night team time trial, and I'm not undercutting that whatsoever. But when you look at it as a percentage of our total user base, it, it's a small number, right? Let's just say that. Mm. So as we grow the racing community, rightfully so, the business will have to prioritize it a little bit differently. If it becomes a larger percentage, a bigger segment of the user base, it becomes a higher priority. I think that's just simple business for anybody to understand. Mm -hmm. So again, that the word racers is so interesting to me here in that how people identify as a racer, how we categorize racers within the platform by giving a league system to the community that more people can participate in that are easier, that is easier to participate in. I think we're going to see the number of quote unquote racers just absolutely skyrocket because again, so many people are competitive. Let's just give them an easy and a fair way to race. It's it's my favorite way to use the, the Zwift platform, right? A 30-minute crit race is by far and away the hardest workout I'll ever get for myself. So more people will start to race, thus being categorized as a racer, thus moving us up, I think, the priority list within the company. But that's for us to continue to, like you said, squeak the wheel a little bit to make sure that, that our needs are heard as well. Jacob, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you very much, my friend. Absolutely a pleasure, Simon. Always good chatting with you. Take care. Right on. Okay, back to the Eric mini interview. Uh, let's get uh, let's get part two. I wanted to explore further the balance uh, between keeping existing subscribers happy and making things easy for new subscribers. Um, Eric, hardware development is is expensive. I mean, I think uh, uh, I think that's just true. I mean, you're you're entering a a world uh, you know of which you have little previous experience. TV advertising is expensive. Uh, again, you know, nobody I don't think would quibble with the benefit that that brings. But these are two big expensive pieces and arguably the existing subscribers are not immediate beneficiaries of either and again i just want to go back to this this idea of existing subscribers as as a pretty key stakeholder in the business i mean to an extent the community has helped certainly helps to not they don't turn it alone but they've certainly helped you to get where you are now how cognizant are you of that stakeholder group the existing subscribers who see this stuff and say well oh yeah it's all very good but it doesn't really benefit me to that comment i would say that uh you know tv advertising and marketing is important for us to go outside of of the bubble that we operate in to to um attract you know, broader uh, set of customers, which then feeds back into, you know, the, the, the market opportunity for Swift, which then helps us to go and attract more capital, which then feeds back into the, 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 the resources that we need to continue to, to build the business. I mean, I, I, think, I think if we just want to be a small company, um, that's a different strategy. <laughs> um, but I think all of that, in the end, should be benefiting the the, um, the the existing customers because it should give us and we should have the resources to serve both existing and new. It's a balancing act always, but we we certainly have the capital and now we're trying to attract the human capital to make sure that that happens. Mm-hmm. But as, as a CEO, do, do you have front of mind that important stakeholder group of the people who've been around 
three or four years, maybe now. And, you know, arguably that set of people are perhaps the most impatient, often they're the most vocal. Again, we've talked about this often before. But, you know, do they remain an important stakeholder group for you? Do, do you consider their needs? Every time I get on Zwift, I am a customer. And I run Zwift almost every day. And there are um, you know, features that aren't working sometimes, and there are uh, enhancements that we love to have. Um, there are, you know, these are things that that run through my mind every time I get on Swift, and so it's a it's a it's a balancing act. Um, but absolutely, I, you know, it, it is important for us to balance the you know the set of features that that benefit um, you know customers who've been with us a long time. You know what is what's fresh content for them? What's fresh feature set? And also having to to make sure that the the um, you know Zwift is is something easy and simple for new customers to to get onboarded. Um, yeah. But we are absolutely thinking about feature set benefit the broader customer base and not you know I, I think the, the 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 folks who might be upset might be the, you know a much smaller group asking for. I'll give you an example. There, there is a group of uh, customers who might want to have very sophisticated analytics for performance. And while that feature set is is interesting, it just doesn't serve the wider customer base. And there are tools out there that sit outside with that can offer that. And so this is where we can say, okay, you know what? That would be nice to have, but it's probably not as important as making sure that new customers come through and find obvious things that may not be so obvious today. A balancing act is, is, is a key phrase there. And I think, again, in that context, people, people will understand that. Let's move on to an, an, another kind of aspect of, of, of the capital raise. Um, Series C moves Swift possibly, uh, possibly. I can't, you know, I, I can't emphasize that word enough. Possibly, but but in the classic path, it moves them one step closer. Moves you once, one step closer, that either to an IPO or a buyout by a, by a bigger player. Now, I, I'm not saying that that's you know what you're going to do next week, but but the classic path, that's that's what would happen. And in this phase. It's not uncommon that revenues are lifted and uh, as much as possible. And the phrase that's often used is, is the company's fattened up, fattened up for a, a sale either on the public markets or to a, to a, to, to a private buyer. What, what kind of assurances can you give the community, Eric, that, for example, price rises or micropayments or any of those things that might be construed as part of this fattening up process? What, what, what assurances can you give the community that that's not going to happen i don't mean happen ever but you know where are we in that in that area so um you know we've retained the same price of 14.99 you know dollars uh since november 2017 and we've no plans to to change that um there's a lot that we still need to do to improve the core product um that would just benefit the the value of the business so um the, the you know that's not to say that you know prices won't move sometime in the future um it's not to say that there are customers who would pay more for certain features right but i think the base price of of 14.99 is 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 a, is a good good place to be um and the the recent you know uh conjoint analysis that we did um i know got a lot of uh, of our customers excited about a, a potential or imminent price rise uh, that wasn't the case. That was all about understanding how our customers are valuing uh, features 
And the only way to do that is put a price tag on it. So these were all fictitious values, but it helped us to understand what the customers value the most. And so that insight is super important. And, you know, we, we surveyed not only those who are active on social media, but also those who are generally passive and don't, you know, don't go to social media. So we had a, a good enough sample size to tell us, okay, this is, this, these are the areas that we need to focus on. And, and, and it really helps us to, to prioritize some things that we thought might have been more important. And one of the things that did come out of the survey was like, look, this is probably not a good time to roll out rowing. <laughs> you know, as much as it may be a, you know, a small group of people who are just you know, really excited about the rowing product. In fact, you know, I think uh, we need to focus on some other features that uh, uh, before pushing out rowing. Because guess what, rowing, um, which is a product that we have in alpha, I think it's going to be a huge hit when we're ready to release it. It will take up resources. It will take up resources that could be working on other things. So, hmm. uh, so the, the the decision to hold back on that was a direct result of responses you got from the survey. Yes, yes. Hmm. Um, Interesting. So um, that's that's the value of the survey. <laughs> it's 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 data driven. It's telling us exactly what the customers value the most, and um, and one of the things that they value. Uh, immensely is just being able to uh, discover content. You know, our content, I think, could uh, benefit from, you know, how we surface what you can do in Swift rather than, you know, turning into a, you know, uh, egg hunt. Uh, make it make it so easy for people to know these are the th choice of things that you could do every time you log into Swift. Uh, simple things like that, uh, which requires a lot of work, by the way. But back to back to to price because it, you know it's something that always gets people excited you know always and it would be madness for any business to say they are never ever going to touch prices I mean no business would ever would ever say that but in the short term things are probably kind of status quoish is is what I'm hearing from you it is uh, we're we're pretty happy where it is um, I think there's there's more uh, feature set that we can pack into into that price point um do we you know is there an opportunity to have a, a tier pricing or even uh, in-game transactions i think that's you know we'll learn that from the customers there are look there are customers who can afford far more than 15 dollars. we actually had something else to sell them we don't at the moment but you know what would that be and these are things that you know as a business we need to discover Okay. All right. Uh, again, a, a, another aspect of, uh, of the capital raise, which is, is, is the reason we're talking, really. And, and you know, again, I, I just want to thank you for, for coming and addressing some things that have been uh, raised by the community directly. It's always great to hear them from, from the CEO. The introduction of Specialized as an investor and the, the, the big focus on hardware development in the announcements and the press releases and all the publicity that went around the capital raise and a few other very legitimate fact factors around friction, which we've already spoken about, actually, uh, drives one kind of inevitably to conclude that the first products from the Zwift hardware division must be a Zwift smart bike. What what can you say, Eric? Oh, um, I can't say too much about the hardware that we're, we're building. Um, but I can tell you that we're not going to just build any hardware. Um, we're going to build hardware that I think sets the bar pretty high. And I think that's going to be great for our customers because 
I think we are set, you know, setting expectations around what that experience can be. And I think that's great for our partners who make hardware because, uh, you know, it's, it's going to um, uh, create ideas around how they can continue to invest in the hardware. Um, so I think for the end consumer, at the end of the day, what they're going to get is just a better experience. So we want to just set the bar high in terms of what the end-to-end experience could be, and that includes the hardware piece. Um, our relationship with Specialized is is a, is a special one, and and I think having Specialized investments with um, is a huge ind- endorsement of of indoor cycling and indoor training. Um, it's a market that you know most of the endemic brands like Specialized and Trek and John are are in. Um, and I think it was just a matter of time that these these uh, these brands are going to find this interesting. I, I understand your reticence not 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 to announce on the Zwiftcast what the first products of the Zwift hardware division will be. But but just one final question on this: Is are you on track time wise? Are you where you want to be with hardware development? It's uh, it is of course you want to do it as fast as possible, but uh, it takes time. And we've been working on this for for a year now, so um, I would say we are uh, we aren't on target. You know, it's uh, we'd like to bring it out as soon as possible. Um, so I'll leave it at that for now. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm not surprised you leave it there. Okay, last last one. Um, it's probably not unfair to say that you know more than a few bugs have crept into the game. Uh, many get fixed, many get fixed very quickly, but but some don't. And again, this has kind of arisen in some areas of the community. Um, are there any plans at all, Eric, for what some might call a Swift 2.0? In other words, have you considered, would you ever consider, completely rethinking or rewriting the game's whole engine, the code base, the whole way that Swift works? Is, is that something that ever crosses your horizon? I think um, there's a... Uh, yeah, we we do have a small R and D team, um, and this team is meant to go out. Uh, of which John Mayfield is, is to to think about those those questions. Um, I think uh, I think uh, we should be exploring that all the time. I mean, our current product is is probably close to ten years old you know, since uh, John's first started as a as a home project to to develop it. So um, there's there's a lot of work that we need to do, and you know a rewrite is a big big undertaking for any any company, um, but it has its merits, and that's something that we haven't we haven't considered at the moment. But uh, exploring and asking the questions that that's what every company should be should be doing. Um, so it's not a yes, it's not a no. It's uh, it's let's just say that it's something that uh, we should be considering as a number of okay. options. Interesting. Okay, last one, and and I gave you no no prior notice of this. So if you tell me, I can't talk about that because it, I've already got my lawyers on it. I will fully understand. But whoosh uh, have kind of come from nowhere and appear to be a complete copycat of Zwift. How do you protect yourself against something like well, that? Well, you know, we we're pretty. Um... We're pretty comfortable competition. We like competition. I think it validates the business that we're in. Um, I think we you need to have competitors to to target. Um, yeah, Wish is an interesting one because it was uh, it was so uh, blatantly a, a copy because the art was was copied as well, which is just 
uh, I just couldn't believe that. But you know, I'm I'm not focused on Wush. Uh, we're not focused on Wush. We're focused on on our, the tasks that we have in front of us. And um, I'm again just not really focused on on you know the competitors that are actively in our space. We're really going after a much bigger prize. And so uh, yeah, we, we're just. Um, yeah, just staying really focused, and um, I think it's important for us to uh, to make sure that uh, we're servicing the, the community. I, mean, I think the community is is what our focus should be um, in terms of um, growing and fostering and engaging, and um, that is uh, you know I think that's the most valuable asset we have is making sure that when you come on Swift. You have an awesome 45-minute, 60-minute workout, with or without all the features that you know we've been talking about or customers are you know wanting. The question is, at the end of that 60-minute workout, did you have a good experience? That's what's most important for us. Yeah, and 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 it was easy. I think that again has has been the message that uh, that's come across very clearly during this uh, mini interview. I think we can call it. Um, <clears throat> Eric, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and it's always a pleasure to get that perspective that you're able to give that may uh, cause some people who seem to have a kind of knee jerk criticism of the kind of things that we do to think. Well, maybe. If, if I was wearing their shoes, I might think about some of those things too. And I, you know, I do think your uh, interviews and, and the detail you provide and the perspective you provide on that is is incredibly valuable. Thank you very much again for your time. You interrupted your Saturday to do this, so I'm very grateful. Thank you, Eric. Uh, nice to talk to you. Thanks, Simon. Okay, guys. Well, I guess people are interested in pricing. Of course they are. Um, and some people, uh, not enough by the sounds of it, are interested in the launch rowing. Um, Shane, the much maligned survey that caused such a fuss, um, Zwift clearly listened to what people were saying. Uh, we, we didn't see the findings, of course, so we don't know whether they listened to every message that came out of the survey. But what message they clearly listened to it to was... Uh, now is not a good time to launch rowing, as Eric said. It's not cancelled, far from it, but it's not prioritised. And um, what I was hearing in that Eric uh, chat was that we're not going to see it that soon. And that's a direct result of the findings from the survey. Interesting, eh? Hmm. Yeah, look, I was a lucky non-recipient of the survey, but it was very clear that people were unhappy with the survey. Uh, people were even going as far as coming up with fictitious scenarios and then getting angry at those scenarios that they'd made up, <laughs> such as Zwift of micropayments, God damn it, Zwift, or Zwift are not going to support non-Zwift hardware. Uh, look, until the changes are confirmed, I've got 99 problems and this ain't one of them, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but are you are you are you aligned to? It was quite a big decision to to, to say we're not pushing ahead with rowing at the moment. Do you do you think that's a good good call? I they may have done a bit of market surveying and find out how popular rowing is not. Maybe um, look we, we look at the numbers for running. There's 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 a number of people running, but there are not hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of people running rowing. Is there going to be tens of people rowing? It depends how much effort you've got to put into something like that. I mean, the world is built. The reality is there. There's um, gra you know, virtual gravity, virtual trees, virtual birds, virtual bloods, virtual water. It's all there. It depends how much effort they've got to put in and how much that's going to take away with the limited resources um, from the other product. So it could be a timing thing. 
Um, I agree it needs to be there, but so does virtual golf. I love playing Wii Golf. That needs to be on Zwift. You know, I want to jump off the bike and you know, put a little ball around and have a bit of fun. Um, it needs to be a virtual sports platform or a virtual fitness platform, which Eric has spoken about. So rowing in particular mm, could be indicative of bigger things, bigger things. We'll see. Yeah, well, we hear Eric use the the P word a lot, priorities, and uh, they've clearly used the the survey results to establish that this is not a priority for the for the broad mass of Swifters. So it probably is the right call. Sorry, rowers, don't mean to upset you, but um, looks like that uh, that decision has been taken. Um, Nathan, pricing ain't moving upwards in the foreseeable, but never say never. I mean, that's a very sensible answer, and one I think they'll be largely welcomed. But Eric didn't rule out tiered pricing. In fact, he raised it. Uh, I think that means pay more, get more. And he didn't rule out in-game transactions. Uh, The problem I think I heard from him was that even though there's a willingness among some customers perhaps to pay more, Zwift is just not yet in a position to deliver more. I, I just, I don't know how, you know, the only, and the only structures I can think of where, there's some sort of payment like that that's happening is like, you know, in a new season of some game that I'm playing, I can pay an extra $15 and get like faster levels and get access to new skins and stuff like that. They don't necessarily give me an advantage. I just get new cool stuff quicker and new unlocks quicker or new like, maybe go to a new game mode a little bit quicker because I can only earn that by leveling up. So, and I just don't know if like the deliverables are that, you know, are, are, are there quick enough? And then on the other hand of it too, you have to think about um, is the base game broad enough and satisfying enough to where the user who's paying the regular premium plus, is going to be, is yeah. going to, is going to, you know, is going to feel okay about yeah. that extra being there still. And, and, and so if that isn't satisfying enough, cause like some people I'm like, I'm fine. I'm not going to pay the extra 15 to, you know, get these extra skins or whatever, because I'm happy enough with what's right here. But then it's like, if to get the premium actual game, I have to pay more, ugh, that wouldn't feel good at all. You know? So um, I'm just, it, there's just there's maybe not enough of a platform for the, the regular user to stand on. And then on top of that, how fast can you get deliverables to even be pumping out that product all the time if we're just stuck at level 50 for two years, you know, or whatever that might look like. So, Well, I mean, tiered pricing is notoriously difficult to get right as um, uh, our friend Strava demonstrated pretty uh, comprehensively over the last few years. Shane, if there was, name one thing you'd pay extra for. I mean, it could be anything, you know. So put one thing in the game that you would be prepared to pay more for and how much. Performance analytics, tracking my fitness over time and a better workout editor focusing on exactly that, better performance. Right. So in other words... Jumping ahead in the show notes a little little, little further, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> yeah, in other words, you know, training peaks functionality. You'd, 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 yep. you'd pay a little bit more for that to be within Swift. Absolutely. That way, if I could uh, then take away my subscription to either Training Peaks yeah, or yeah. Today's Plan or Strava, and there's analytics that I get from that, it's going to save me money. Um, so if it was only a $5 extra, it's going to save me you know, $7 a month elsewhere. So it's a net gain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting, wasn't it, that um, 
uh, Eric highlighted actually more sophisticated performance analysis as one of those things that could be done, but at the moment doesn't interest enough people. Are you are you being a bit blinkered there because it's something you want? No, absolutely not. Look, Eric mentions there that it's a very small subset of customers, I think, who want to track performance analytics. And then he states it's not a priority for them, as we heard. Um, and they're happy to handball that off to other services, such as Strava and Training Peaks in today's plan. But look, I wonder how many people have connected their Zwift accounts to Strava or other third party services? I think almost everyone yeah. I know on Zwift already does that. Yeah. So I suspect most of the Zwift cast listeners have done that too. So I wouldn't call that a small subset. Look, that's why we're training. We want to track how we're improving over time. That's why we train. And that's both indoors and out. So there's talk about making the experience easier, um, but farming off users again to another third-party site is not easier for the user. That's easier for Zwift. Yeah. Well, that's a decent point, actually. And, and I, you know, I think you're right. You know, I mean, I, whether it's an indoor or an outdoor ride, I upload it to Strava, and then I head off to Training Peaks to see whether it's moved the down on my longer term numbers. Um, and you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm not a particularly enthusiastic. Trainer my question would be, moment, so are you paying? I, I don't think I'm alone doing that. Go ahead, Nathan. My question would be, are you paying for Training Peaks? Or are you paying for Strava? And yeah, both. Yeah, if you are okay, then there's there's maybe money to be made there. I just my experience with the deeper analytics in the gaming sphere. Now, then Shane's right to say, well, this isn't just a gaming sphere, but my my experience there is that for the more super user, I would call if I'm if I'm in Eric's mind of what I heard there. It's like we're onboarding so many people right now that are not in that space so much. And we have more of like your weekend warrior, just trying to get fit person that's not as interested there. And we have more people maybe that aren't as interested in Strava and et cetera, that these, these people, they want to make sure are sticking around and getting more of their friends involved. You know, they're trying to go mass market at this point. So those users, you know, the guys who are looking up Apex stats after my game, so I know I keep on going back to that because it's the most recent competitive game that I played to try and be at a very top level. I'm going to a third-party website to see where I rank against the top guys that I just fought against to look up their name, right? And I'm not looking at that in the game. I might have a rank in game that tells me, like, in general where I stand, but if I want to go and see what the specific stats are and all that stuff, it's not in the game itself and i feel like they're moving toward being the game service product more rather than that other side of things that's that what what is super user to the mass public whereas like a very much smaller niche is your just training platform software which is just you know there's already already other competitors out there that do all that and maybe yeah. that's not what Zwift is focused on I think what, Eric, you know, the message I, I clearly got, and, and that, you know, this, this is not a new thing, Shane. I mean, we've, we, you know, we've been talking about this probably for the last couple of years or more. They've hoovered up all the nerds now. They've got all the bike nerds, <laughs> you know, and they, they, you know, they do probably just enough to keep the bike nerds happy. They now need to start shining their spotlight on the, you know, the non-nerds and the non-kind of serious road cyclist the, you know let's I, I don't mean to demean a section of the cycling community i love anybody who puts their seat their bum on a saddle but but the recreational the newbies we've got the nerds now we need to think about the noobs i do think that's what's what's happening here 
Yeah, look, you can overanalyze your performance and your statistics and things like that, but you can also simplify that, such as what distance did I ride this week? What did I ride last week? What did I ride last month? What did I ride last year? And those statistics over time can be simplified. Just call it Zwift points. And this month you've earned this many Zwift points or that many Zwift points or even XP or even drops or something like that. Um, Again, about this um, getting people addicted to the system, yeah. Um, yeah. this is this is this is the avenue for that for sure. It's about because what else is there? There's stats. There's there's nothing else. There's, I guess, there's to a point. Swift Power could be used for this uh, for performance tracking. I mean, if they're recording all the data now, Swift Power is in house. Um, no longer there's the GDPR issue and things like that. People should be signed up to it. Um, you know, once you sign up to Swift. Um, they could probably just fork that off or uh, I guess take a part of that in a different direction. But it all comes down to data too. Now, as a billion-dollar company, Strava are drinking from the fire hose. Strava know everything about Zwift and everything about Zwifters because if you're pumping that data to a third-party service, that's getting scary. You've got people coming along with a lot of money and people, they want to control that data. I mean, look at how every other big company works, Facebook, Google, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, you name it. I mean, look at the the concerns around TikTok and where that's based. Zwift are handing out their data. They're just giving their data away to everyone. But the user is choosing to do that. It's got to be some concern there from these new investors coming along going, okay, right, you know, this is our IP, like our users on this, this platform, all our statistics. Oh, what, we're sending these to all these other companies? Oh. Now, if that goes up to Garmin Connect... Yeah, and then you know, Garmin now own tax, tax have their own training software. It's, it's, the data side of thing concerns me. Well, it's an interesting uh, but coming point. Back to it's it. an interesting Sorry. point because yeah. simultaneously they're giving away the data, but they're also retaining it, of course. You know, they're not. Of course they you know, are. I mean, yep. it stays on the Zwift servers, and one fine day when, you know, you can see your, your entire Zwift history in a nice, you know, Velo Viewer style poster that goes on your there's a good example you know know, whatever um so so i guess my point is your point is the giving away my point is not they uh, yes they are giving away but they're also keeping it for for the for the 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 day that dawns when they can actually do something useful with it to the to the average swifter i hope so i hope they really do something useful with that including things such as you know your own personal pacer bots that you can race yourself from three years ago because they've got that data or you can chase yourself from last week or two weeks ago or you can then replicate a ride that you've just done as a bunch or something like that yeah yeah for sure i mean they've got the data for sure (sighs) very complex though yeah 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 yeah, for sure do i get to say what i'd pay for do I get the-, <laughs> <laughs> the little voice at the back of the class there. Of course, of course you do, Nathan. What would so you one pay thing, for? So one thing that I've said over and over again about free-to-play games that I've been involved with where somebody comes in and they're obviously using a bot to cheat and they just and they just wipe the floor with my whole squad and, and we're all just swearing and like mad and like whatever this game sucks and i've said over and over again about those just make us pay for it they can't just make another thing after they're banned just make us pay for it. i've said that so many times can can we just pay for this game and then they can't just remake an account after they're banned and you know what i'm getting at here in the competitive space i would definitely pay for no cheaters I would definitely pay 100% to have like for a fully committed situation. And and I think we're starting to see that develop. I think Zwift Racing League and some things like that are starting to try and get, go down that Avenue. But um, 
you know, I would, and then the other thing we're, we're getting to, we're going to get to it in a little bit here, but I'm just going to say 2.0. I would definitely pay for that as well. I would yeah, definitely yeah. pay for that. Well, as well. Leaping ahead on the script. I think that's a really intriguing thought though. That first thought of yours that you can pay for a clean racing space. So, you know, you stick five bucks a month on your subscription and that, that entire money, if enough people uh, pay it, that's like a fund, you know, that's an anti-cheater fund. That's a, we go and fight the cheaters and throw them out of the race fund, you know, which I, yeah, I can see that working. That was quite appealing to me, that. Um, okay, well, let's, uh, you leapt ahead there, Nathan. Let, let's just deal with this last point from the uh, from the Eric chat, this, this idea of Zwift 2.0 that's kind of emerged in some of the more nerdy corners of the Zwift community. And that's the, the idea that the whole code base of the game is the whole game engine might be due a complete overhaul, uh, particularly in like some of the bugs we've seen in, in recent releases. Eric didn't say yes. He didn't say no. I did get the impression it wasn't exactly top of the to-do list, didn't you, Nathan? Which is really odd to me. Yes, I, I did. Well, I, I felt like it was coy. I felt like it was kind of, I'm just not going to tell you. You know, and, and, um, you know, yeah. here's, here's for me. I was actually talking about this with my dad actually today. I was talking about Zwift and how it's doing and everything. And, and I, I pointed at my old Windstar from 2000 and I said, you want to put a nav system on that? You got to put a satellite on top of the freaking thing, you know, and you're wrong. You're, you're, you're walking around with this satellite on top of it to get the Wi-Fi in about da, 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 da. You look at this other vehicle over here from 2019, it's got a nav system on a little chip like tiny yeah, little yeah. chip and, and, and Wi-Fi and, and, and a, a back, a, a, a reverse camera and all that. You want to put a reverse camera on this? You got to put a GoPro on it and then somehow get a screen in there and put the screen somewhere a bit off of some Duracell battery. And that's what's happening. I think right now with Zwift is all the add-ons that you have to do off of it. Like, I think you said it's 10 years old or something along those lines, maybe, or, or more. I'm, I, I don't know what, what it's the engine and everything it's running off of. But the reality is if you do the vehicle analogy and the vehicle we're currently running on, it seems to me that you're having to put satellites and GoPros and whatever that are just yeah. not made yeah, for yeah. cars. On an old and you could just, yeah. I don't know. Exactly. And why don't we just buy the new thing? And right now, in my opinion, Zwift is at a place where they could sit on their product for a year, just leave it as is and put everybody on, on a new thing. And it would be just fine. Nobody would go anywhere and boom, release a 2.0 in a year from now. And it would be, or maybe, I don't know how long it would, I mean, if everybody just muscled up and, and just focused on that and left the product as is, people would be happy if 2.0 around the way, in my opinion. So if I, everyone's happy with a new car, right? Like a new car, especially if you're on a 2000, uh, like, whatever car like a car that's like way way back and then you get the the nice shiny new thing that's like just released last year you're gonna feel like uh, you feel like a million bucks and think about being it's on the, the smell newest it's direct the new car X. smell yeah, think yeah. about being on the newest direct x or the most the newest <laughs> unreal engine compared to what we could it would be absolutely amazing people would flip out so that's my yay i would pay for 2.0 right there yeah, no. Think, things, things, things do move on. It's true. I mean, sometimes I buy new household appliances, and I say to my wife, "Gosh, things have come along, haven't they, since we last bought that?" Uh, things, you know, things do improve exponentially. Shane, I got the impression again from Eric that this was not, as I said, top of the to-do list. Did you get that impression? Uh, it's a big, big. 
big task. Um, a, a lot of code uh, is spoken about in millions of lines of code. I'm guessing Zwift is right up there in a few million lines of code, if not more. Mm. Um, so it's a big rewrite. However, if it's going to stop the delays, such as we, did we speak about clubs or teams over a year ago or so? Was yeah, that sort yeah. of on the horizon yeah. then? Um, and the, the little things that just seem to be failing and falling over um, and looping back to what we spoke about earlier on, is it the architecture that's failing here? And could you make something more modular to plug things into? Um, quite possibly. Um, it's like, a, I'll, I'll go back to a power meter analogy, the Shimano paced power meters that m many companies use. There's a crank that was made and then people started slapping strain gauges on the side and calling it a power meter. It works great for the left side, for the right side, not so much because it was never designed to be a power meter. Yeah. I'm sure Shimano, uh, you know, going back to basics, building a power meter and then building a crank around that. And then that's going to be power meter 2.0. Zwift, I see a little bit of the same. Racing, I mean, we used to, you know, start at the Jarvis tree and hit go at this exact time. Um, or and, and the results were never posted anywhere or they were sort of sniffed off the wire. It was never built for that. It's still the same engine. I, I guess it's being built on and built on and built on. But in that, things get very, very complex. And anybody in IT and IT systems who have had to administer anything or upgrade anything that's been built on and built on and built on, it gets very difficult to the point of no return. Um, and it has to be started from scratch. I would love to see 2.0. Absolutely love to see it. Um, we look at look at Grand Theft Auto Five. The, the you know we've been riding around with that as a bit of a toy. Uh, the graphics are amazing, mm -hmm. and people love that. Even though the graphics don't hook you in and leave you hooked in, it's about the gameplay and the experience and everything around that. However, it is leaps and bounds ahead. And yeah, with what can be done with a new engine, yeah, we'll see. Even if it's just a, a, a a significant refresh of what they currently have. Maybe not a complete rewrite, but mm. yeah. Yeah, I want to I want to jump on the back of and, and really hammer on the point that Shane made too, that not just from a user experience, but also a dev experience point of view, I would think that when you start fresh like that and you build up front with being able to plug and play so much more development stuff, think about how much quicker the users could be served too if it wasn't so much like you're saying, going back into old architect. I mean, I'm just thinking about ripping out walls here with plaster and how much I got to do in this old 1902 house I got here versus if I just had drywall up, pull that out and put a new piece. You like, mm -hmm. I think that there's, there's a certain amount of reality of, um, in order to get new features out, some of the holdup on new features also might have to do with what they're having to work with on that architecture. And so starting from scratch with, like you said, Shane, they're modular and being able to plug and play so much more because the gaming world has that's already in its, you know, I've, I've watched some of the new DirectX stuff and some of the new Unreal Engine stuff on their releases and was like so impressed with how much was already built into the engine for developers to walk in and just be like, it just, oh, we just place a couple of this, this, this in here and bam, it does that thing to interact with itself. Like it just knows what to do with what you want to do with it. So whereas when you're building from the ground up and, you know, from, from very, very old, you had to write so much more just to get one little thing done. So yeah. um, I think that there's a lot of speed up that could happen on that. So again, I'm, I'm beating, you know, I'm harping this over and over and over again, but I really think there's a lot of advantage though. Hmm. Well, we don't know. We don't know what goes on inside, but we no, do. We don't we, know. We, 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 but we do see the results, and we also there are some objective facts, like you know, this is built on something 
the, 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 certainly started, you know, clearly it's developed since then, but started 10 years ago, as, as, as Eric said. And John Mayfield, the games creator, has, has changed roles within the company. He's moved into a research and development role. So maybe that's what he's thinking about. Who knows? Uh, we don't, that's for sure. But we can speculate because that's what we love to do. Uh, well, it's been a very nerdy episode, hasn't it, chaps? Maybe this should be the, ought to be the Zwiftcast new tagline, home of the Zwift nerd. It's certainly, <laughs> it's certainly what we do best. Um, so, yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, I, I, I just want to say once more, I am grateful to Eric for making himself available to answer what was sometimes quite, quite, tricky questions for him you know it, it is good that he comes and talks to the community and and i hope he carries on doing it okay well that's it apart from a little any other business and um, breaking news overnight as i switched on my various devices to record the podcast i noticed that the bots are back the pacer bots apparently are back uh obviously not had time to um to try them yet because i'm gonna episode to record but uh that was a pretty quick fix in uh, in in the Zwift world, I think, Shane, and and probably a testament <laughs> to to just how popular these fellas are. These fellas and ladies, they are. they have been very popular. Uh, I tinkered with this a while back until I got told don't use bots online. Um, it's against the terms of service. Um, however, they've been very very popular. It's the group ride that never ends. Yeah. It's the group ride or the bunch ride. You don't have to enter the game to then enter a group ride in the pens and things like that. It's just, you know, it's just there. It's just happening. Um, they're very popular. It's good to see. Um, uh, how long it took them to fix the problem? I was ready and raring to go for a swift, swift tip about the pacer bots and what that's all about. And they disappeared for a week. So I was a little bit sad about that. Mm. Uh, now they're back though. I should get filming. I should jump on uh, Coco Cadence or Diesel Dan. Um, but I do know there's no magpies in game, which have been giving me absolute <laughs> hell out on the road. Yeah. I was out on the on the bike just before recording and uh, riding along, riding along, testing some power meters. It wasn't just me testing the power meters; these birds were increasing my wattage quite a lot, trying to get away from I them. Can, so can, none of those in game yet. I can imagine that. I've seen your uh, I've seen your pictures uh, in my part of the world. It's, it's wild boars. I mean, they don't. <laughs> the thing with wild boars is you you might hear them snuffling about in the undergrowth, but. They don't jump. They don't fly. They, they, they definitely don't fly, <laughs> yeah. uh, and they don't. They don't kind of leap out onto the road and chase you. But that would certainly increase my uh, my wattage for sure. Um, uh, Shane, the 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 the, the, <laughs> the Peloton bike knockoff. This was a weird thing, wasn't it? All over the mm. internet. $500 copy allegedly developed in partnership or even by Amazon, according to the the company who was posting it and then 10 minutes later it was gone and there was a, you know a rapidly followed by a statement from amazon saying absolutely nothing to do with us i smelt a lawyers there lots of lawyers <laughs> well we know peloton have lawyers i yeah. personally know they have lawyers yeah it was weird though wasn't it like really weird uh, it was a bit it's a bit strange. Usually companies are quite um, disciplined in getting information out there with any releases and things. I don't know. Something was fishy there. Something was up. They've either yeah. got something up their sleeve that was released too early yeah. or Peloton jumped on that and said, hey, no, we, we've got you for this clause or this clause. Um, mm, mm. It was definitely fishy. It's a very good word. Okay. Well, that's the, uh, that's that. That's it for this episode. Um, Nathan, um, Zwift Racing League, that, that that's your every waking hour accounted for, isn't it, over winter? 
We'll see. I mean, uh, Friday, I mean, excuse me, Tuesday's going to be really busy. Obviously, we've got five um, zones or five time zones to cover. So we've got APAC, we've got two European, and then we've got East and West Americas. I am not going to be, you know, it's not, I'm not going to be casting every one of them as talent. So that's nice. I'll be in the background for all of it. But, uh, and then obviously Mondays, we've got Premiere. And it looks like we've got some other stuff around all this, too, that's going to be kind of doing more sportsy center kind of thing going on, it seems like, too. So um, really cool. You know, and then we've got WTRL TTT on top of it. So it's not just Zwift Racing League. And then Wednesdays, I talked about this at the last Zwift cast. I do believe we are bringing back some beta stuff, too. So or, or, you know, Swift community test labs type thing uh, is is on the radar as well. I don't know how soon, but that has been in conversation. Uh, Don't hold me to it, but it's, it is supposed to uh, uh, be Zoom, (laughs) but we've all been really, really busy with ZRL. I don't know if you can tell, but the ZRL stuff has been like fast and furious. So I think once we kind of get in a rhythm with that, we can talk more about test labs too. So I mean, it's going to be, uh, a non-stop winter, that's for sure. When it comes yeah, to yeah, life. yeah, for sure. Busy autumn and winter. Of course, sun coming back with you, um, Shane. But Llama Lab's still busy, no doubt. Oh yeah, the sun is arriving slowly though. It was snowing for two hours the other day here, which was oh. just bizarre. But then we're up to twenty-five or twenty-six degrees Celsius, so it is happy day. So yeah, always busy. The Llama Lab, more trainers, more power meters, and outside more swooping magpies. Not that I'm worried about those magpies. And I've always got one eye watching behind me for those <laughs> swooping damn magpies. That looks okay. scary. That looks really scary in your picture there, Jane. I was like freaked out for you. When they hit, it's like a warm, sharp, scratchy hug. So it's not as if someone's throwing a water bottle at your head. It's the fright because they're silent until they hit. And you're riding along going, oh, what a nice, oh, look at my FTP. Oh, they boom on the back of the head. And you're like, what just happened? Oh, that was oh, it's a bird, and then you scratch. It's yeah, you, there's blood coming out of your ears or your neck or something. Yeah, they get nasty. Um, the ones I'm dealing with are still quite friendly, but it only takes a gust of wind for them to you know slam into the back of your head in a different angle and some damage to be done. But uh, look, it's only a few weeks. Is there, is there anything you could? Well, I remember when I was in Australia, just about at the start of Magpie Swooping Season, actually, Shane, when I when I came to see you, and I went out for a ride, and I. I saw this guy. I had to laugh. He'd he'd like, uh, you know, like really long cable ties. He'd covered his helmet in in really long cable ties. But you know when you you tie your cables like a good, you know, uh, nerd, you will cut the the extended Mm -hmm, bit mm -hmm. of the cable tie off. Well, this guy hadn't. So there were like these (laughs) six-inch cable tie spikes Sticking up off the top of his helmet, like I don't know about like fifty of them or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a thing. That's a thing. It's a bit of um, co- cosplay being an echidna um, or a porcupine, I guess. I think that's what they, they're kind of weird people. They make sort of weird noises too and snuffling around looking for ants too when they're off the bike. Uh, no, only kidding. There's there's a lot of um, a lot of theories around how to get rid of them, putting googly eyes on the back of your helmet because if you look directly at them, they will not swoop you. They're very, very smart. They know that if you're watching them, you can react to them and swipe at them and things like that. So if you look directly at them, they will not swoop. So it's always attacks 
from behind. Um, nothing really works. They'll still buzz you. They'll still come near you. They'll still squawk at you. Um, the best thing you can do is just not ride near them or just if you just put your hand up, they won't come anywhere near you or your arm up. But that looks pretty funny. I had a lot of uh, car drivers come past me today as I'm being bombed because there's nothing as scary as being swooped by a magpie, but there's nothing as funny as watching somebody being swooped by a magpie. It is hilarious because they're always from behind. The person's turning, turning, turning. The magpie will always come from behind and attack. It is, it's hilarious to watch. Um, so, yeah, you just put an arm up and, uh, yeah, you just hopefully no one's filming you and getting you on Australia's Funniest Home Videos. All about magpies, eh? There's Rivcat. <laughs> we started with an interview with the chief exec of a billionaire tech company and a billion-dollar value tech company, and we finish with magpie defense strategies. <laughs> game feature. Would you pay for the game feature? Shooting magpie. Like, I'm sorry. That's a new game feature we pay for. No, I'm just kidding. Well done, Nathan. You you found the link. We could have magpies in Swift. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, really enjoyed that one, boys. Thanks very much, and talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. See you soon. <laughs> See you, guys. Thanks. that's it thanks for listening usual bit of a housekeeping just the reminder that whilst we're terribly grateful for the support that zwift lend to the Zwiftcast, they don't decide what goes in we do thanks again see you next time